recording live from a dimension without COVID-19, it's Craft Cryptids. You're cracking open a cold one with your two favorite brothers, conspiracies, breweries, and everything in between. It's time for Craft Cryptids. And roll in with the tune. We're back with another hot episode of Craft Cryptids. Here we are, man. Episode one, season two. Hell yeah. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I thought you were going to say more. You just said, yeah. We're a Great little, ru- we're a little I rough. Mean, just, yeah, I mean, didn't have much to say or what? Yeah, man, yeah. We're, we're back, dude. I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, season two, episode one. Here we are, just kind of repeating ourselves. But we're, we had our live, um, our live chat yesterday, our live Instagram yesterday huge success and i'm ready to crack open a cold one and get into it yeah it was a great success i didn't know if uh, many people were going to come through but it was exciting man we're doing big things here at craft cryptids and man it's nice to just to gaze into your eyes when i'm chatting too i'm now, liking this now that we're setup. doing this over video chat yeah, it's pretty I'm uh, it. it's pretty nice man well what are you uh, what are you drinking today so i got here it's called escape plan it's a cool little label here guy oh, with a little st- motorcycle oh i thought it was like a, a tron dude almost. it kind of looks like a tron dude but it's really just a guy on a motorcycle cool cool but uh you know it's a hazy ipa 8.1 abv um it's from uh martin house brewing company in fort worth same company uh the ig live where i chugged that uh, salty lady same, oh, same yeah. yeah yeah so uh, the HEB, there's an HEB, like near me, there's like five HEBs. So, um, hella there's everything, a, bro. Yeah, hella everything, bro. And hell of hell of everything, bros, around here. Um, <laughs> this one is a little further. It has a barbecue restaurant attached to it, which is supposed to be pretty good. I haven't had it, though. Um, but they tend to carry more of these Martin House brewing beers, and, and they have a lot of sours. So, that's where I, I want their couple weeks ago and pick some of these up so let's uh give us a little tasty taste eight point one nothing special I, I like this brewing company a lot but it's just tastes just tastes like a classic IPA bro it's it's dank at the end oh, nice and bitter at the end um taste some pineapple up there in the front but the the flavor doesn't really blow me away. The flavor doesn't come out too strong. Um, eh, it's kind of weak for a first beer review, to be honest. Um, yeah, that was a that was a little weak, man. Maybe oh, I can. Uh, the beer's just not. The beer's not. It's tight. It's tight. It's tight. And that's what we're doing here. It's an honest review. You know, yeah. we're not we're not pulling any punches. On Untapped, I might have already done this on Untapped because I don't know, but probably a two point seven five. Uh, oh wow! Or, or a three? Yeah, it's not that. For how many um, hazy IPAs or New England IPAs I drank? Eh. 
you know, it, I it can be forgotten. I feel like every brewery now, like almost when like take it back to like twenty sixteen when or even twenty fifteen when like IPAs were getting huge and like every brewery just had now like all of a sudden has to have IPA. Right? right. I feel like that's kind of happening with hazies. Like man, yeah, 2019, the hazy IPAs, New England IPAs just blew up and like, oh, everyone's doing it. And I'm and, kind of And everyone even yeah. like I I like them a lot, but you get a bad hazy IPA, you know, not bad, but like an average hazy and you're like, eh. It's like you're just trying to get in the game. Like there's um the classic description is like, oh, it tastes like citrus. <laughs> yeah, go listen to a few of our episodes. We're we're classic and have the citrus flavor. Um, you know, uh, Voodoo Ranger makes a uh, hazy IPA. It's just juicy IPA. I think it's called. I could be wrong on the name. Super good. Way better than this crap. Wow, you're, you know Voodoo you're, Ranger. I uh, I do. Part and of New Belgium. It's part of New Belgium. I used to. Yeah. I, I'm almost ashamed to say this. For a long time, Fat Tire was my favorite beer. Oh, that's a good beer. I love Fat Tire. That's it's, nothing to be ashamed about. Good. That's like it's good. You know, it's okay. It's it's a really good gas station beer. That's one of those beers, bro, where you hang out with guys who just drink like Coors Light, Bud Light, and you want to impress them like with a beer, but not be too. Um, you don't want to be too hipster about it. Too much of a beer hipster. snob. Yeah. yeah, Fat Tire is what you roll in. Like, that's one hundred percent. Fat Tire. This is good. I've it, never heard of this. Yeah, it's dude. like the perfect introduction to like craft beer for a lot of folks like oh this is like a different style of beer and it's right. not yeah it's not coarse but it's like that beer that's totally in the mainstream but not as well known it's like if i were to have to compare it to a band it'd be like radiohead i don't know if that's yeah, like yeah radiohead yeah. super mainstream right everybody but, knows the song creep not everybody yeah. knows their whole discography exactly everyone knows radiohead but like radiohead's not like tom york is super like He's a not like a outward guy. He's pretty shy from interviews I've seen, and so he's like not even about being the mainstream. Kind of like this might be past your time, but like Nirvana, right? Like Kurt Cobain. Yeah, a little bit before my time. Yeah, he wasn't into being popular or like famous artist. He wanted to be obscure, you know. And I think that's kind of what. That's a whole other story, but. Fat yeah. Tire, you heard it here. Fat Tire is the radio head of beers. Hey, honestly, folks, for those of you who only drink, uh, you know, Miller Lite or, uh, you know, Miller Lite, the champagne of beers, which shout out to you if you only drink the champagne of beer. But uh, <laughs> if that's all you guys are drinking, then, uh, you know, maybe check out a Fat Tire. But I am drinking another beer from Second Profession. Um as I, as I talked about on the Instagram live yesterday, we went by a uh, second profession and they were pretty much like obviously totally closed because of uh, COVID-19, but totally, bro. they, uh, they had the garage door open and they just had like a, a roll away table with like a whiteboard with the beers on. Right. So uh placed the order online, picked up, picked up this beer and um, I, sh- I go up and he's like, Hey man, like, I'm really sorry, but, we're out of labels. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, uh, our label guy has been shut down because of COVID-19. So Jacob, I'll show you and me. I have to pass on the Instagram. It's just a silver can that says sour on it. Nice. There's nothing more Portland than that. Actually, yeah. bro. Let's be real. So this is called the electric stereophonic sour. Whoa. Uh, I'm already dig. I'm already digging this. What? 
I'm impressed you picked up a sour, bro. I love it. I know you like sours, but I like uh, it's I a mean, kettle sour. I my oh, sour yeah. game. I don't quite know if there's a difference between a regular sour and a kettle sour, but from um, what I've um, from I I was at the store and I bought some sours once and was talking to this rep from a brewery that was like trying to push off their beer. Uh, I guess he kind of made it sound like kettle sours are like the the lazy way of doing sours. And when I say lazy, I don't mean like they're not professional people, but it's just like an easier way. It's easier to do it. It's not as much involved, I guess. So yeah. I don't have a clue though. So another way to say that is it's a smarter way to do it. <laughs> yeah this is pretty good man for for those folks i mean uh the description straight from their instagram is it's a this beer burst with key lime and tangerine with just the right amount of sour damn um, bro that sounds hella good it's made with key lime and tangerine puree um it's it's decent it's actually a little bitter almost which is kind of interesting huh. like key lime like i'm not a huge key lime guy like you won't catch me ever eating a key lime pie you're not um, gonna rep the key lime brand bro mm-mm. you're never gonna wear a key lime bright neon shirt like but our it's like would. oh i have a i have a tie-dye neon <laughs> lime shirt in my room right now oh, but shit. yeah man this this beer is really really sour actually like after i drink it it's like i still have it almost tastes like a like the aftertaste of a warhead okay or, or like yeah. sour skittles maybe um you know not I won't say citrus. Like it's a very clear, like key lime comes through really strong at first. The aftertaste, you get like a little, tan- a little tangerine, but those are pretty much the only flavors. Uh, really sour, pretty bitter. Um, I'm hella jealous. I wish I was drinking that right now, dude. This sounds so good. That's it, like right up my, my alley. That's my style. That's my jam. Like putting it into context with it's like, it's like 70 degrees out right now. The sun is shining. It smells like fresh cut grass outside. I'm giving oh. it a four. This is the perfect beer for the <laughs> the type of day I've been having. You know, it's like a I uh, I worked out. I went for a little a little big boy jog. It's super refreshing. So I'll give it a four. And I love what uh, Second Profession Brewing is all about. Never been there before this weekend. Their uh, their bio is basically like your second profession is usually what you're actually passionate about. For us, it's our podcast. Oh shit! Right? Okay, because I I've been waiting to get a little spot to wait for you to done, be done talking, and I was gonna make some dumbass first profession joke, kind of like on the style of uh, uh, I don't know if you remember in Wayne's World, there's like uh, first day Adventist church or first Baptist church or something. And Cassandra, nope, wrong church. Goes across the street and it's Second Baptist. Yeah, church. yeah, 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 yeah. But that actually, that it's really like cool. them even more. That's a cool idea. And their story, I guess, is like I don't know what they were doing beforehand, but um, they were both working their like, or they were working their regular day job, and they were burning the midnight oil, and uh, they started this this brewery. It's really small. Like, obviously, I've never been inside, but they have like five a five picnic table patio. And that's it. Like, it's just like, there's a main street. There's a little sidewalk they take up. And um, the garage, you open it up. There's like 10 of these big brewing apparatuses. And that was it. So super, super So have cool. you ever gone there and chilled before? Or? No, never. But it's definitely going to be a, a spot. It's, pretty, it's only like 15 minutes from where I live, which is awesome. Yeah, once they um, chill with all these 5G upgrades, man, and the <laughs> coronavirus. Yeah, once away. they change all the batteries and the birds. 
Right. Uh, I'll say for people who are listening to this and of course, by no means am I a, a beer connoisseur. I, I'm a rookie when it comes to beer still, but um, if you're not a beer drinker, um, sour beers are probably, especially kettle sours are a pretty good way for you to get into the beer game. Um, I would say you might want to be selective on the type of sours because there are probably still some sours that you won't dig. Um, try and stay, I would stay in the, the fruity range. Um, yeah, I would say, especially if you're like a mixed drink, uh, a seltzer, maybe even a wine person, like any of or the claw. Fruity, yeah, claw. Well, no laws when you're drinking claw. Um, if, if you're one of those folks, definitely check out a fruity or sour, you know, um, anything that is going to drop like. Usually they, they just have you, – you look at the ingredients and it's just all fruit puree of some sort. Right. Um, yeah, yeah um, my buddy, um, his name is Ben. He's in uh, a couple of our fantasy leagues, the Teach C3 dude. Okay. He, li- he lives in New York, and he's a big beer guy as well. He just picked up a sour stout he was telling me about. He hasn't drank it yet. I've never – Dude, never I've been – seen that. I've been seeing those lately here. Like, I haven't tried them, but, like – It'll be like brand new, be- like beer dropping, limited, like one keg, like sour stout. And I'm always like, eh. You know, a stout to me is like a heavier, not necessarily heavier, but it's a dark beer. It's got like more, uh, when I think of stouts, I think of like chocolate flavors or like the coffee, ro- coffee, roasted malts, yeah. like very like wintry vibes. Of so course, totally a, wintry, bro. A sour stout, I don't really understand what. Yeah, no clue. We should, so we'll we should. have to get one on the on the show. We're gonna both have to grab some and, and check it out. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm I'm really jealous. I, I wish I was in Portland. We have some cool beer spots out here, but um, that sour sounds amazing. Yeah, you know, I think that by season three, we got to have a live show at a brewery in Portland. I think that's the oh, and we could totally do it. We're already kind of trying to figure out some live stream options. I know we we could figure this out for sure. So. Um, we'll get it done. So, man, we haven't um, had much. I know we talked about on uh, the, the last episode we just reached that was released that was the filler episode. We kind of um, sprinkled in some conspiracies and shit, but we haven't really talked even off the podcast about any conspiracies or, or any cryptids lately. So I'm really raring to get back into this shit. Well, what do you got for me, bro? What do you got? Yeah, man. So I want to talk about... Um I don't, there's not really a good name for this conspiracy, but it's about... Okay, um, I already, already love it. Essentially, the conspiracy is about all the missing people, or all the people who go missing in the national park system. Hmm. Okay. So, so let like me start Elmer. with... Yeah, like Elmer. Let me start off with some facts. Some hard... Like, these are undeniable facts. Lay it down, bro. So there's 58 national parks in the U.S., Okay. And this doesn't include like the wide array of like national wildernesses, national monuments, things of that nature. Um, so I like, think of like the St. Louis arches. Technically, I think that's a national monument. Um, so you're not talking about stuff like that. Well, I mean, we are, but like mostly national not parks. Rushmore. But it's just yeah. to give you an idea of like how much, like how big the national park service is, right? And so every year, like we go camping in Yosemite, you know, quite often. Um, Every year, hundreds of visitors are reported as missing. You know, people who aren't necessarily outdoors folks going off, or even people who are, like, going off the trail, going missing. 
getting turned around. Yeah, yeah getting turned around, going hiking at night, and not be prepared. Don't have um, a compass. Here is a compass, man. Very like incredibly scary thing to say. The National Park Service has no idea the total um, missing people. The total report of missing people. Huh? They don't have a clue. There is no one like global list of people who have gone missing. The, well, there's there's no like program or no database where they compile the, exactly these details. So all the the databases are all localized. So like the Yosemite National Park might have a like the list of names of people who have gone missing. Yellowstone might, but you know there's 58 parks. There's hundreds of national monuments. Between all of these places in the national wilderness, um, they have no idea uh, how many people have gone oh. missing. And so there's an S, like, an, as of 2017, there's estimated 1,600 open missing person cases. 1,600? At, at a minimum, yeah, 1,600. <clears throat> God dang. Um, and that's just a low estimate of, like, taking all the major parks like somebody like trying to aggregate it um like a data analyst who's trying to aggregate this information um the national park service whether intentionally or not um if you can go we can go me you our listeners can go and request a list from them and they'll say we're not able to, we don't have a list we're not able to provide you a list um if you do want a list it's $35,000 Oh and my! Wait, what? Thirty-five. Pay, essentially, you have to pay for the work for them so, to put the list together. I'm gonna you. just take a wild guess because this is the Craft Cryptids podcast. I'm per. You said it might be intentional, might not be. I'm gonna go with it is intentional. I mean, Craft Cryptids. I'm very yeah. skeptical already, bro. I I am too. So there's enter something weird, aloof. Yeah, David Pauleads. He's an ex-cop from San Jose. He was um, in Yosemite National Park on vacation um, when when, uh, a person went missing. So he joined the search and rescue efforts um, as he had a friend in the park. Um, They didn't find the person. Um, Moved to a couple nights later. He's getting ready to head out. And two rangers, um, not in uniform, come to meet with him and tell him he, they have something very important to talk to him about. So they were naked? They weren't? No, they just weren't in their uniform. Uh, they're regular. They're, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, yeah just you. trying to paint a picture for our audience out there. And so it's, <laughs> there's not a lot more context here, but essentially the Rangers said, hey, there's something weird going on with all these missing peoples. We don't have a list. Only the like head Ranger has access to see who's gone missing. If you look at the file, the case files, there's a ton of weird, and we'll get into each of the cases, but there's a ton of weird things that we're finding on our search and rescue efforts mm-hmm. that shouldn't be happening, that uh, they're not allowed, like they're, they're not broadcasting to the public. This is actually getting creepy. Yeah. So you're taking me slowly down this path of the unknown, and I don't know, man. I'm not sure I like this. Because I love national parks. We just came back from Arches National Park a few months back. So, yes, and, and so to build it up even some more to give you context, before 2003, all missing person files were um, physical, 
like a literal file. Right. Um, after that, they put in a a um, a system uh, like a database that one cop quoted as the worst database ever invented should be immediate, <laughs> should be immediately trashed. Um, an in-person file system is more effective than this database. Um, and that is as solid. That's from 2016. So this isn't somebody who like um, had to move into the, the, from the filing system to this digital system. This is like, okay, boomer. That's what I want to tell this cop. Okay, yeah. Boomer. So that I'm trying to say, this isn't a boomer. <laughs> this is like a guy who he got in the national park service in 2014 and he made this statement in, tw- uh, you know, in late 2015, 2016. Shit. So essentially the system that they have like is known to like have tons of bugs. It'll make multiple entries. You can't delete, you can't delete case entries. So you'll have like one file with all this information about a, a case, any, any case, not necessarily a missing person. Um, and then another file with no information. So if you find the wrong file, you think you, you so it's all, it's all screwed up. Right. Um, so we've established a couple of things, something, weird is happening in the national park system and whether intentionally or not incredibly incredibly inefficient so our boy david paulies is like hey i'm i'm gonna go look into this um to give actually some more context with david after he left the san jose police force he started a bigfoot research group yes there we go and my boy david but after he was approached by these two rangers, he really skewed away from Bigfoot and was just like, I want to figure out what's going on with these people. So he starts going to um, national parks and or like not physically, but like he starts requesting uh, documents from national parks. Um, and so when he first attempted to obtain a list of missing people from Yosemite, he hit a ton of roadblocks. Um, because the Department of Interior doesn't keep any records of missing people, um, like I said, it would cost him $34,000 just to get that information from Yosemite. That's um, and for a list of missing persons for the entire U.S. park system, it was going to be, they quoted him like $1.5 million. Um, and he was like, uh, I can't afford that. Nobody can really crowdsource that shit. Um, so what he started doing is he just took as much information as he could. Um, and started mapping it out. Um, and a lot of these overlaid with like cave systems, like cave systems in the United States, obviously, you know, national, national parks. Um, and as he started looking through these cases, he started finding a ton of like similarities. Uh oh, here we go. So I'm going to read through just some, some okay. cases and keep in mind, you know, the National Park Service was, uh, established, um, you know, in the late 1800s. So some of these files are quite, quite old. Abraham Lincoln, right? He's the boy that got that done or no? I don't know. No, it's uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt, uh, way off. Him and, uh, him and John Muir go to Yosemite. John Muir pitches, pitches the, like Teddy Roosevelt was a big, big hunter. And hunters are like notoriously the, put the most conservation effort out there because they yep. want they want things to be alive for them to hunt they want things to be alive so they can kill them makes sense 
Yeah, well, <laughs> to, to each their own. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I don't. I, I have yeah, I don't care. Like they're, they're the best source of conservation in the country. That's where all the conservation money comes from. But uh, so yeah, so Teddy Roosevelt, John Muir talk. Um, Teddy Roosevelt gets his wild hair to, to establish the National Park Service, and Yellowstone is the first national park. So let's hear some of these wild, wild yeah. stories, bro. So Lillian Carney was okay. from Massardis, Maine, which is 15 miles west of the Canadian border, um, and she went missing August 8th, 1897. So her and her parents are out picking blueberries, and they were there just for a short amount of time. And the parents said, um, when she vanished, it happened so suddenly they almost didn't notice. Damn. They, they searched for an hour. They got some people in the area to help. Um, the next day, they had 200 uh, people help canvas the area. Um, nothing. They couldn't find them. La lechuza, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call back. So yeah. the next day, on the ne- so this is a Monday. On Tuesday, 300 people arrived to help. And at 10 a.m., uh, a citizen named Bert Poland found her somewhere between two and three miles from where her parents last saw her. So that's not, you know, too far. She's huh. uh, to, she, Let me clarify. She's a six-year-old girl, so she's very young. She's been missing for 48 hours overnight, made it a couple miles. So they asked, when they talked to Lillian, she seemed like almost unfazed. Um, like she was not scared. She wasn't shaken. Um, she was in good spirits. And when they asked her like where she was, this is what she had to say. I couldn't have been gone for that long. The sun shined all the time while I was in the woods. What? And she's gone two days. Gone two days, two nights in the woods. So <clears throat> the weather or the weather report at this time in a news article was that it was partly cloudy for the entire week and she was missing for forty six hours. Damn. Keep in mind this is eighteen um, seven, 1897. There's no like spotlights. There's no parking lots with like, you know, like she said it was like the sun was out the entire time. She felt like she hadn't been gone um, for more than an afternoon. Right. There's no artificial light source around in those day and age that would uh, replicate sunshine for that long of a period of time. Yeah. I mean, so it's pretty weird. So let's fast forward to the 70s. Let's. Um, because this boy is a minor, his name is retracted. Um, but they call him John Doe. Uh, he's a three-year-old boy. He goes missing near Mount Shasta at 6.30 okay. at night. And he was found later at 11.30 that same night. And this is a story he says, he tells. He says it's no, he knows it's dark outside, but he goes into a cave. And when he's in the cave, he can see the entrance. And now it's light outside. He said he's with a woman who looks like his grandmother, and he thought it was his grandmother. Oh, shit. In the cave, though, there's other people, but he thinks they might be robots that aren't moving. Now, <laughs> this is a three-year-old, so this is him, I like that. Yeah. him describing things as, you know, in the world, he knows it. But so after a while, he says he realizes it's not his grandma, and he thinks that maybe she's a robot, even though she was really nice to him. Um, he said there's an unusual light coming from her head. At this point, she gets really pushy, takes out some sticky paper and puts it on the ground and asks him to poop on it. On it. <laughs> uh, okay. He said he didn't have to go poop, and she got mad. <laughs> this is legit. 
and what he said, huh? yeah, and he didn't like that she got mad, so he left and went out of the cave. When he came out of the cave, it was dark. Huh. <laughs> didn't want to poop on the post. I mean, I wouldn't either. I mean, yeah. my poop wouldn't fit on a post it, bro. So here's a third one. This is Stephen Kubaki. Um, he goes missing in 1978. He was a student at the time learning German, and uh, this is in Michigan. So he is going uh, – he's at the Great Lakes. He said he's going to go skiing. They find his poles on the beach of Lake Michigan with footprints on the ice leading up to the lake. So they take a, a, pl- a little biplane and fly over it. The footprints appear to stop as, as they get to the lake. Um, they find his backpack in the same area. Fifteen months later, May 5th, 1979, Stephen walks up to his dad's door and says he didn't remember how he got there. What the hell? He said he woke up in Pittsfield, which was 40 miles from his house, lying in a meadow wearing clothes that weren't his, <laughs> with a satchel that wasn't his, with a set of maps that weren't his. And uh, this is 700 miles from Lake Michigan, where he was last seen. Um, so reporters, wild. reporters ask, like, hey, uh, do you want to talk to a psychologist? And his direct quote was, I don't need to because I don't have any psychological problems. <laughs> so, that sounds like something uh, Lance Vavette would say. That's his type the of 70, The 70s were wild. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe he was on some drugs. I don't know. So there's all this just weird, weird stuff going on, you know? People are – like, they start missing time. Um Another Iraq war vet- veteran writes about how he thinks he was almost snatched from a park. He's walking down a trail in Mount Rainier. Um, as he's walking, he's picking berries. That's like another theme in all of these stories is like people who are like foraging out, like picking berries. He's picking berries, and um, all of a sudden he realizes that it goes from dusk to like bright, middle of the day. Um, he turns around and he sees this. Um, effigy of darkness. He says, like, he can't focus on it. He can see everything around it, but he he can't look or, like, his okay. brain can't comprehend yeah. this, like, darkness that's in front of him. Um, he starts running. Uh, eventually, he gets to a point where it's dusk again. And he, he, he felt what? like he felt like this thing was trying to get him. So, do you think, like, with all, like, a lot of the similarities is the light, right? It's the it's light. Like, yeah, yeah. And pulled into like a different dimension or some shit. Exactly, and and like almost like it's some sort of like, like, like they're going into the past or into the future or into like <clears throat> its own time stream, you know. Um, and so there's a ton of other like things they notice from all these these stories. So like a lot of the stories, people are missing clothes, so their shoes, pants, shirts, jackets. Um, are removed often by kids who are like also like too young to be able to do so. Like think of like you put like a really tight jacket on a kid with, with mittens, they're probably going to struggle to get that off. Right. Um, But essentially like often the clothing is found like neatly folded nearby. Um, When when they do find bodies and not actual people, um, bodies are found like, you know, even maybe hundreds of miles where they were last seen at very high elevations. Um, people tend to like 
report like weather related phenomenon when they go missing. That seems pretty normal, right? If you're hiking, right? And there's rain, a rainstorm yeah. and you get lost. That makes yeah. sense. Um, bodies are often found in areas that have been searched before, which is pretty, I think, almost supports this like time theory of like, okay, I went and searched this exact area yesterday and then today I search and we find this little girl or we find the, the body of somebody. Um, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty freaky and there's not, um, an explanation of the conspiracy. Like there's no one who's saying like, this is what it is, but they're just like kind of collecting all this aggregation. All these of, stories. Yeah. yeah. All these stories. So another one that I read, um, and I had to actually like, um, David Pauly's scans like case files and uploads them to a website and I had to read like this case file so it's a report of a 1992 um, hiker goes is reported missing um, so it's at uh, Granite National Park which is up in Alaska you have to like take a boat or plane to get in so this guy's up there he's camping he misses his plane back home. His family gets nervous, so they report him uh, missing. Rangers go up, and they see us, They find his tent, and there's a the pole is broken. For, so it looks like For something sure. had, like the tent is still set up. The pole is there's a pole that's broken, and there's a cut down the side. Like this person was like in a rush to get out. Oh shit! Um, they surmise that the pole must have been broken from the outside. There's, there's no other way unless he was like stood up and was like trying to break it himself. Um, there's no sign. There's no sign of the guy. Um, they come back the next day. Um, they, they bring dogs. Uh, they're called sea dogs search and rescue. It's an acronym, uh, search evacuation attempt, something, something dogs. They're search and rescue dogs. I don't know. <laughs> Something, something, yada, yada. Uh, but the dogs. dogs, the dogs are confused. Like they keep finding a scent, losing it, and then like sprinting to a like, like sprinting a mile in the opposite direction, and then they lose it, and they sprint like just like zigzagging all over the place. Like they can't like it doesn't make sense. Like how the guy would have gone all these directions. They never find his body, but what they do find are his clothes, neatly folded on a rock. No, with his shoes. Shut up. And neatly folded for neatly real. folded like not like he was discarding it like the shirt is folded it's on top of the pants that are folded he has two gloves that are folded and his shoes are on top on top of them that's um, giving me some like uh skinwalker ranch vibes too man yeah Weird man very like... much and so they think uh like and this 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 individual is like an avid hiker hunter he grew up in alaska like if there's one thing anyone and really any camper knows, like if you get wet socks or sh without your shoes in the cold, you're probably going to die. Like really important, right? Um, if you can't walk, you can't go for help. If you're, you lose most of your heat through your feet. If you don't have shoes, yep. you're going to die from hypothermia. Um, they never find his body. They're the dogs can't pick up his scent. Um, and that's the last that was heard from him. And th this is just like a missing persons report. That's laying out the, the facts i got um, a theory you ready for it yet or do you yeah want to drop it so that that's stories? it man I th i'd like to talk about like, kind of what you're thinking there's no um there's, <clears throat> there's no kind of like they're not attributing it to anything but it could be a lot of different stuff you know 
I can't, I can't really say with the, the kids stories involved, but you know, the ones with the people who've gone missing and clothes are neatly folded and you don't see them again. I mean, my theory is maybe they found Bigfoot. They found Bigfoot. We all know Bigfoot doesn't want to be found. And Bigfoot, they were like, Bigfoot, you look good. Exactly. Bigfoot huh. seduces them. Cause I you know what they say about, Bigfoot. you know what they say about dudes with big feet. So Bigfoot seduces them, so that's why their clothes come off, and then, bam, they're gone. He slaps uh, them into a different timeline. That's a pretty weak, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's a pretty weak theory. I don't know. You know, um, a lot of people, uh, near-death experiences, a lot of attributes are a light, a bright light. So that's one, when you started talking about that, I was thinking, oh, maybe something occurred that, of course, they don't remember where – um, they were near death and the light yeah. was representative of that. And then, you know, of course what they were seeing were maybe, um, people in the afterlife or in the in-between. I don't know, man, it's, it's scary. Cause, uh, we both loved going to national parks. Yeah, Imagine man, it's, we just it's pretty spooky. And so there's a couple of theories I've read is one is that, and this makes sense. Like if you look at the United States cave system, um, the vast majority or not a good majority of caves are within the national park system. Um, makes sense to me. Like the bigger, you know, think of like mammoth cave in Kentucky, that's a national park. Uh, so like it's part of like areas that we're trying to conserve and save. Um, and so they think that may, and this is a conspiracy in and of itself, but like that there's some sort of like time warp or zone in some of these caves that like, you step in and it's a, you know, the time in the cave is maybe slowed oh. or sped up or something. Cause have of you it, seen uh, cause like magnetic fields? Yeah. It's like kind of like dark and kind of like, um, there's another movie on Netflix where like people go into a cave and like one second equals one year. Hmm. And so like they try to leave the cave and like, it's been 10,000 years since they went in the cave and everyone that knows is dead. And, um, the That's world trippy. Is, like, what movie is that? Yeah, no clue. It's pretty good, though. I'll have to um, check it out. Yeah, I'm sure you can look up, like, Cave Time Movie on Netflix, and it'll, it'll, yeah. it'll be in that genre. Gotta love the internet. <laughs> yeah, man. So that's, that's one theory. The other, uh, the other theory is, like, more... No, I guess that's kind of more of a sci-fi theory. And the other paranormal theory is that there's a, um, a Bigfoot or a... Uh, there's some sort of cryptid that is like able to like erase our memory. And so okay. like people aren't actually like going through time or going back in time, but there's some sort of animal that is uh snatching folks um and making them lose their memory and act act strangely. And I think as far as uh conspiracies and cryptids go, that's kind of a far fetched like there's not a lot of meat to that, you know, but yeah man, so that's the conspiracy that's like actively evolving you know like you and you can people can fact check this like anyone can try to get a list of missing people from the national park service and it's not possible you know it's possible if you want to spend a big chunk of change that's part because that's kind of wild to me you would think a federally funded service like that would have some pretty good resources to do shit you know simple data collecting I think part of it is like there's part of it is that um, 
the systems they put in place in 2003 are just so horrendous. Like, I don't know, man, it's bureaucracy, right? Like, is the government bad because they, like, they're, they mean to be or because they're inefficient? What's more likely, that they're efficient and <clears throat> terrible to citizens or that they're just really bad at their jobs? Probably the second one. That's not just, like, conspiracy. That's just life. Yeah, probably the second one for sure. They did do an amazing job, though, changing the batteries on these birds. Yeah, uh, well, they're still changing. They must be them. almost done, right? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. So I think, I mean, there's really nothing to chug or not chug it to because there's, there's just a lot of facts here. Of course, the uh, chug or not chug is um, to the whether, we, you know, you guys believe that uh, these missing cases are, are related uh, to maybe a cryptid or related to some larger conspiracy uh, that the government is snatching up people for some reason. Who knows? You know, maybe maybe they're snatching people up to do testing on and they, they make it look like they've gone missing. Yeah, I mean, I think what you can't, like the true conspiracy you could chug it or toss it to is like you have the national park system that employs, what, 20,000 people? Um, it brings in 92 billion dollars in revenue a year um and yet they can't publicize a list of people who have gone missing in the united states like clearly nps is knows or is trying to like hush down this fact that um if if the if people knew how many other people were going missing they probably wouldn't be visiting these parks right true Um, that is true whether it's like Bigfoot attacks, alien abduction, um, secret underground, temporal alien, you know, whatever, cannibalistic people, who who knows? Um, the government is like, they don't, the step one is they're like, eh, people aren't going that, like, not that many people are going missing, and we have no, we have no way to validate it. Right. Yep. There's no uh, way to, to check that. It's just, information suppression from the government bro yeah i wonder if if the irs was running the national like say they just say hey irs we want you to run this program about missing people and within 30 seconds they go yeah. well you owe us five thousand dollars exactly <laughs> they don't miss anything like they don't miss anything the irs like, is good. they're good at their job man let's put let's put it at that you know yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, I think what makes it a little more um, frightening for me is so much unknown. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm sure. I'm, I don't have stats, but right. I'm sure 65% of of us have gone to a national park at least once in our life. And if you We've haven't, all, you're missing out. If you haven't, I don't know what you're doing. You're probably drinking Blue Moon. Probably sitting by. Yeah. The bayou, drinking Blue Moon, and using a gas grill to barbecue. A propane grill? Oh, man. People who propane... I can't even say it. That's how uh, shameful it is to use propane to grill, you know? I sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> Name that character. King of That's Hill. Uh, Hank. Hank Hill, Hill bro. Yeah. That's a solid... That was a solid first episode back, man. Um, I, I know a lot of episodes we kind of joke around a lot more, and but that was actually really interesting. Um, I know you you just have a lot of national park knowledge in general because of all the stuff you you've done 
through well, yeah. uh, your studies and, and I wanted to be a park ranger like my whole life. So right, and um, I so still I have a junior came... ranger badge. Do you really? Yeah, somewhere. I'll That's rock cute. you know. I'll rock that shit. I'm the oldest junior cute. ranger in the world. Dang, up! You must love the movie Up, then, huh? Oh, fantastic! I'm just like the little boy scout. Yeah, that is you. And that I was so I you. was a boy scout until yeah, <laughs> I got. Like they started making me have to do like the not fun badges, like citizenship in the world. I'm like, can I get my shotgun badge? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got it. Can I get the wilderness survival badge? Oh, I did that one. Oh, you want me to do citizenship in the world? Can okay. I get the sling slot? The slingshot. The slingshot. Yeah, I'm can gonna go play high school football. Badge? That's what I, I was like. Ah, I'm gonna go play high school football. I guess I don't want to do these these badges anymore. Yeah. Peace out. <laughs> Plus, the older you get, the more likely. Never mind. I'm not. My dad doesn't want to go down that road. Snow White and all that stuff. You know, the Boy um, Scouts just recently opened it up to everybody. Yeah, it makes no sense. I mean, I think I don't know. I don't think the Girl Scouts are like that big. So now, look, I'm all just call for them the Scouts. In- just call them the Scouts, right? <laughs> I'm all for inclusion. I, I'm from the Bay Area. Like, I'm all about mm-hmm. inclusion and not being prejudiced and not um, like not having people involved in certain things. It's called the Boy Scouts for a reason, because boys. Like, come on now. Yeah, I'm but sorry. maybe maybe it's it was not, it was the Boy Scouts only though. Hold only up. because boys weren't or girls weren't allowed to do that kind of stuff though. Hold originally. up, it's not the Boy Scouts' fault that the Girl Scouts don't take them out and do other things. Like, how about revamping the Girl Scout program? I mean, any anyone thought about that? I don't. I, I I'm not a, a avid scout defender in either direction. I, mean, I could care less either way. To be honest, the Girl Scouts are way more successful. Like monetary, oh, like Girl cookies. Scout cookies, huh? Yeah. Ooh. You know what Boy Scouts sell? <laughs> Popcorn. Get yeah, that out of here. No Ooh. Do you want to spend five dollars on caramel popcorn? No, I'm good. I'll buy some in Safeway because I. They have this popcorn. weird popcorn now. It's like fruity, like popcorn. It's like what? Like yeah, no, I'm, it's not. I'm good. Do you, not ha- oh, do you have any tagalongs? Samoas? <laughs> you got any uh, thin mints? No. Okay. Deuces. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, um, that was a great topic, and uh, I think yeah. we really got the season rolling with this. To, uh, I'm glad we started with a strong um, informational episode. Um, just a lot of data there. Go check out everyone. Go on Google and um, what's the guy's name? That the ex cop. What's his name again? David Pauly's. If you just look up um, missing four one one, you'll you'll come across a ton of it. Uh, a ton of stuff. Um, it's kind of all over the place, but um, there's a lot of a lot of cool and scary stuff. So check it I out. Go, Missing four one one. I'd love to hear Google all of, all of your guys' theories on what is this. You know, so if you guys can hit up our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, uh, give us you know your your theory on what's causing all these missing people. We will will highlight you. Hit you with a retweet, Instagram story, <laughs> like um, will follow you. Like, yeah, follow you. Whatever we'll you share want. your Facebook post. Yeah, we got you. So, uh, yeah, man, that was good. I really enjoyed talking about this topic. I love uh, National Park Service, and uh, I hope they get their shit together. Because um, not gonna I, happen. If I go missing, just know I definitely saw three aliens around a campfire 
sat down next to them and it didn't go well. Yeah. They're just like, we'll take that. I'm like, oh, dude, you want a blue moon? And that's when it happened. (laughs) They offered you a blue moon, and then you said no, and then that's how. That's that's when I got probed. That's when the probing started. (laughs) That's what started the probing. Oh, my God. They started probing you with blue moons. (laughs) (laughs) Solid, huh? My worst nightmare. (laughs) Getting probed with a blue moon that puts together your two least favorite things. Yeah, what they really just did was able to read my, like, biggest fear. And that's (laughs) what it was. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, this guy hates blue moons. And really specific since we're aliens, but he does not like being probed. (laughs) Weird. Yeah. All right, man. Well, awesome, guys. And, uh, yeah, good talking again. to you. And thanks for tuning in to Craft Cryptids. We love you all, and we hope to see you next week. Let's do it. Later, man. Peace out. Cheers. Peace out, crew. Bigfoot is blurry. That's the problem. (laughs) It's not the photographer's fault. Bigfoot is blurry. And that's extra scary to me. Because there's a large, out-of-focus monster roaming the countryside. Run, he's fuzzy. Get out of here. Gotta go. I have a...